بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم وصلى الله وسلم وبارك على نبينا محمد وعلى اله وصحبه وسلم تسليما كثيرا غفر الله لنا ولشيخنا وللمستمعين والحاضرين يقول الامام المجدد الشيخ محمد بن عبد الوهاب رحمه الله تعالى في رسالته اداب المشي الى الصلاه وتسن صلاه الاستخاره اذا حم بامر فيركع ركعتين من غير الفريضه ثم يقول اللهم إني أستخيرك بعلمك وأستقدرك بقدرتك وأسألك من فضلك العظيم فإنك, فإنك تقدر ولا أقدر وتعلم ولا أعلم وأنت علام الغيوب اللهم إن كنت تعلم أن هذا الأمر ويسميه بعينه خير لي في ديني ودنياي ومعاشي وعاقبة أمري أو قال عاجل أمري وآجله فاقدره لي ويسره لي ثم بارك لي فيه وإن كنت تعلم أن هذا الأمر شر لي في ديني ودنياي ومعاشي وعاقبة أمري فاصرفه عني واصرفني عنه واقدر لي خيرا حيث كان ثم ثم ردني به ثم يستشير ثم يستشير ولا يكون وقت الاستخاره عازما على الفعل او الترك وتسن تحيه المسجد وسنه الوضوء واهياء بين بين الاشاعين وسجده التلاوه سنه مؤكده وليست بواجبه لقول عمر رضي الله عنه من سجد فقد اصاب ومن لم يسجد فلا اثم عليه رواه مالك في الموطأ وتسن وتسن للمستمع والراقب يأم بسجوده حيث كان وجهه والماشي والماشي يشجد بالأرض مستقبل القبلة ولا يشجد السامع لما روي عن السحابة وقال ابن مسعود رضي الله عنه لقارئ وهو غلام أسجد فإنك إمامنا تستحب سجدة الشكر عند نعمة ظاهرة عامة أو أمر يخصه ويقول إذا رأى مبتلا في دينه أو بدنه الحمد لله الذي عافاني مما ابتلاك به وفضلني على كثير مما خلق تفديلا وأوقات النهي خمسة بعد الصلاة الفجر حتى تطلع الشمس وبعد طلوعها حتى ترتفع قيد الرمح وعند قيامها حتى تزول وبعد الصلاة العصر حتى تدنو من الغروب وبعد ذلك حتى تبرب ويجوز قضاء الفرائد فيها وفعل المنظورات وركعة الطواف وإعادة الجماعة إذا أقيمت وهو في المسجد وتفعل صلاة الجنازة في الوقتين الطويلين الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا وسيئات اعمالنا ونشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له له الملك وله الحمد وهو على كل شيء قدير ونشهد ان محمدا عبد الله وخليله ورسوله ارسله رحمه للعالمين فبلغ الرساله وعد الامانه 
ونصح للأمة وجاهد في الله حق جهاده صلوات الله وسلامه عليه ورضوانه جل وعلا على أصحاب محمد أجمعين الذين آمنوا وهاجروا معه وإليه وجاهدوا معه وبعده حتى نشروا بتوفيق الله جل وعلا الملة الحنيفية وبلغوها ما أمكنها من الشرق والغرب فاللهم ارضى عنهم واجعلنا من محبيهم الحريصين على متابعتهم الصادقين في كل ذلك وأعيننا من السوء الذين يغضونهم وأرنا فيهم عجائب قدرة يا حي قيوم يقول رحمه الله على الشيخ الاسلام محمد بن عبد الوهاب وتسن صلاه الاستخاره صلاه الاستخاره اذا هم الانسان بامر ولم يتبين له وجه الربح في هذا الامر هل ربحه ان يعمله او ربحه ان يتركه إذا أشكل عليه الأمر ولا عزم على شيء معين يشرع له أن يتوضأ إن لم يكن على طهر وإن كان على طهر أن يصلي ركعتين يحسن أداءهما في الوقوف وفي الركوع الرفع منه يعني يحسن اداء الركعتين اذا كان هم بالامر لكن ما تبين له وجه الصواب يقول ثم يقول يعني اذا انهى الركعتين لا تكون الركعتان من الفرائض كان يكون مسافر ويصل ركعتين وينوي هذا الشباب ينوي في عقيدته انه يؤدي هاتين الركعتين لتكون وسيله لمطالبه التي سوف يتقدم بها لرب العزه جل وعلا يقول اذا صلى الركعتين واحسنهما يقول اللهم اني استخيرك بعلمك يعني يعترف بانه ما عنده علم يقين في نجاح هذا الامر ولا في فشله اللهم اني استخيرك بعلمك واستقدرك بقدرتك يعني اسالك لانك تقدر على كل شيء واسالك من فضلك العظيم فانك تقدر ولا اقدر وتعلم ولا اعلم وانت علام الغيوب هذه الاعترافات للداعي للسائل هي اعلان منه انه لا علم له في في نجاح الامر ولا في فشله لا علم له في تحصيل ذلك ولا من عدمه يكل الامر الى الله جل وعلا ويدعوه ثم يقول بعدما يثني على الله ويقول اللهم اني استخيرك بعلمك استقدرك بقدرتك واسالك من فضلك 
لماذا؟ لأنك تقدر ولا أقدر ولأنك تعلم ولا أعلم فأنت علام الغيوب هو يقول اللهم إن كنت تعلم أن هذا الأمر ويسميه نفرض أنه يريد أن يسافر لطلب علم أو للزواج أو للتجارة أو يجاهد في سبيل الله يسمي الأمر أسألك إن كنت تعلم أن هذا الأمر الذي أنا صرت حائرا فيه ما لا أدري ما مدى الفائدة منه ومع كل إن كنت تعلم أن هذا الأمر ويسميه خير لي في ديني ودنياي ومعاشي وعاقبة أمري أو عاجل أمري وآجله يعني أنه خير لي في حياتي وآخرتي فاقدره لي ويسره لي ثم بارك لي فيه هذا في حال الطلب وإن كنت تعلم أن هذا الأمر شر لي في ديني ودنياي ومعاشي وعاقبة أمري فاصرفه عني واصرفني عنه ثم ماذا؟ واحضر لي الخير حيث كان ثم رضني به يعني اجعلني أرضى بما تقدره لي فإذا صلح هذا الاستخار نظر في من يعرفهم من ترجح له أنه واحد منهم صاحب رأي وأنه ناصح وأنه له تجارب ويعلم يستشير في هذا الأمر الذي استخار الله به ثم يستشير يقول ولا يكون في وقت الاستخاره عازلا على الفعل او عازلا على الترك لا الاستخاره اذا صار الواحد مترددا لا يعلم او لا يدري كيف يكون الربح والكسب فيما يطلب او السلامه مما يخاف يصلي صلاه الاستخاره ويقول يقول ومع ذلك ينظر من يصلح للاستشاره ينظر العاقل الذي المجرد التقي يعني الناصح الى المستشار ينبغي ان يكون امينا ناصحا للذي يستشيره يدله على انفع الامور له فلو مثلا اراد ان يتزوج امراه ما يتردد في امرها يصلي صلاه الاستراحه ويقول اللهم ان كنت تعلم ان هذا الزواج خير لي في حياتي واخرتي والى اخره او ان كان لا خير فيه لي فاصرف يا عبد الله قال وتسلم تحيه المسجد
تسن ايضا صلاه الوضوء ويسن ايضا احياء ما بين العشاءين تحيه المسجد جاء في الحديث الصحيح قول النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم اذا دخل احدكم المسجد يعني اذا كان على طهر فلا يجلس حتى يصلي ركعتين يعني كل وقت نعم كل وقت لكن ان كان وقت بزوغ الشمس طالعه ينتظر قليلا يمشي خطوات يمنه ويسرى وان كانت الشمس على وشك الغروب يقف لحظات ايضا حتى يغلو على ظنه انها غربت واما اذا كان في وقت سعه فيبادر فيصلي الركعتين عند دخول المسجد وهو على طاقه وسنه الوضوء اذا تطهر وضوءا للعباده الطهاره التي يمكن ان يصلي فيها يمكن ان يقرا من المصحف فيها الى غير ذلك يسن له ان يصلي ركعتين لحديث معاذ لحديث بلال بلال رضي الله عنه قال له النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم اني دخلت الجنه يعني في الرؤيا فاسمع دف رجلي قدميك يعني بين يدي اخبرني عن ارجع عمل كنت تعمل يقول بلال رضي الله عنه انني ما توضعت في ساعه من ليل او نهار الا وصليت في ذلك الوضوء ركعتين يعني معنى حتى في اوقات النهي لكن النهي المضيق كما سياتي له وضع هذه سنة الوضوء التي النبي أحس بمشي بلال بين يديه في الرؤيا في الجنة فسأله ما الذي جعله بهذا التقدم؟ فقال رضي الله عنه: ما توضعت في ساعة من ليل أو نهار إلا وصليت في ذلك الوضوء ركعتين وانا واحيا ما بين الاشيائين اذا صلى المغرب الواحد ولا, ولا يحب ان يخرج من المسجد يسرع له ان يكثر من الصلاه والنبي صلى الله عليه وسلم لما جلس ناس في المسجد وصلى المغرب ولم يخرجوا ومخذوا الى حتى رجع المريض صلاه العشاء فسالهم هل احنا حاجه تريدونها قالوا ابدا يا رسول الله اردنا ان نمكث في المسجد ننتظر الصلاه الذي قال في الحديث الاخر والمرء في صلاه ما دام ينتظر الصلاه عن النبي يسال هذا الامر الصحابي يقول ان هذا داخل فيه معنى قول الله تعالى تتجافى جنوبهم عن المضاجع يدعون ربهم خوفا وطمعا فالصلاه بين العشائين وان لم يامر بها النبي امرا باتا لكن الذي يحرص عليها 
يكون داخلا في معنى فتجافى قلوبهم عن المضاجع قال وسجدة التلاوة سنة مؤكدة يعني قرأ الإنسان القرآن ومر بآية سجدة أو جلس يستمع للقراءة ثم سجد التالي الذي يكتب القرآن فيشرع للمستمع أن يسجد إن أصل السجود أنه يكون على طهارة لكن لو فرغ الإنسان ما كان على طهارة تكون كسجدة في الشكر يمكن يسجد ولو لم يكن على وضوء قال قال وليست بواجبة الواجب الذي إذا ما فعله الإنسان يأثم لكن سجدة التلاوة غير واجبة من سجدها أدرك أجرها ومن لم يسجدها فلا إثم عليه لكن فاته ثوابه يقول عمر رضي الله عنه من سجد فقد أصاب ومن لم يسجد فلا إثم عليه رواه مالك في الموضع يعني عن عمر قال وتسن السجدة التلاوة من المستمع يعني أنت جالس تستمع لاستماع سنقرأ فرق بين كونك تسمع مرة في الطريق أو في عمل ما كونك تتعمد الاستماع المستمع حكم حكم القارئ إن سجد القارئ فأولى به أن يسجد ولما كونه مجرد يسمع السجدة لا إنما إذا كان يستمع لما يتلى فيحسن به أن يسجد قال وتسن للمستمع والراكب وهو يقرأ القرآن ولو على وسيلة نقلة يسجد إن كان يمكن يسجد على الأرض سجد وإلا يومئ إيماء يجعل أمر السجود سجوده أخفض من جلوسه ويسجد حيث كان وجهه هل يشترط أن يحول السيرة وسيلة نخلة يتجه الخلفة لا يستمر ويسجد قال والماشي يسجد في الأرض فترضى أنك تقرأ القرآن وأنت تمشي ومرت بآية فاسجد إذا كان يمكن أن تسجد لكن لو فرض أن المكان غير صالح للسجود فلا يلزم لأنها غير واجبة قال والماشي يسجد في الأرض مستقل وخدمة ولا يسجد السامع يعني مجرد كونه السامع ما ما لما روي عن الصحابة قال ابن مسعود للغارق وهو غلام اسجد فإنك إمام الغلام الذي لم يحترم شاب ويقرأ القرآن ومر بالسجدة ما سجد فقال رضي الله عنه ابن مسعود اسجد بنعت أنت إمام في هذه القراءة قال وتستحب سجدة الشكر عند نعمة ظاهرة عامة أو عند أمر يخص الشخص إذا بلغك أمر يسر المسلمين وينفعهم يحسن أن تسجد لله جل وعلا أو إذا بلغك أمر يفرحك أنت 
وفيه خير لك ويبقاه اسجد سجدة الشكر على هذه النعمة التي من الله بها عليك. ويقول أو أمر الحص ويقول إذا رأى مبتلا في دينه أو بدلا يعني يمكن ترى شخصا مبتلا في دينه سيئ اللسان لا يستحي من الله ولا من خلقه يطيل لسانه باستباب الشيطان واللعن غير ذلك اذا رايت مثل هذا قل الحمد لله الذي لم يجعلني مثلك او تقول الحمد لله الذي عافاني من امتنا كما فضلني على كثير ممن خلف تفضيلا ياتينا لاوقات النهي عن الصلاه قال واوقات النهي خمسه من صلى الفجر فقد دخل في وقت النهي لا يصلي نافله الا لو كان قام وطاف بالبيت يصلي ركعتين ولو كان في وقت النهي لان النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم امر اهل مكه والناس لا يعترضون احد إذا طاف بالبيت أن يصلي ركعتين كائنا من كان، يعني في أي وقت. قال خمسة وبعد بعد صلاة الفجر حتى تطلع الشمس. هذا وقت مطول. وعند طلوعها إذا بزعت حتى ترتفع بمساء بطول الرمح. يعني بطول الرجل القائم المحتدل القام لا قصير ولا طويل القام. وعند قيامها يعني قيامها يعني إذا قام قام قائم ظهيرا يعني الشمس إذا طلعت يبدأ الظل يتخلص ظل ظل الحيطان ظل الأعمدة يتخلص إلى أن يقف عن التخلص عند وقوف الظل عن التقلص هذا هو وقت قيام قائم الظهيرة وهو الذي نهى النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم عن الصلاة فيه وأخبر أنه وقت تسحر فيه نار جهنم نار جهنم يلا حتى ترتفع قيل وعند قيامها حتى تزول يمسك الإنسان خلال دقائق محدودة عند الزوال ينتظر لحظة بسيطة فإذا بدأ الظل يزيد فهذا هو وقت الزوال يعني الشمس منخفضة والظل ينقص شيئا فشيئا إلى أن يصل الحد الذي يقف عن النقص فإذا شعرت أن الظل بدأ يزيد فهذا هو وقت الزوال حلت الصلاة إذا وقف عن النقص هنا توقف عن الصلاة قال وبعد صلاة العصر إذا صلى العصر الإنسان لا يشرع له أن يتنقل نافلات حتى تدنو من الغروب وإذا بدأت تغرب ينتظر حتى يكتمل قرصها مختفيا اختفاء تاما هذه خمسة أوقات وقتان طويلان وثلاثة أوقات قصيرة 
التي عند بزوغ الشمس وعند غروبها وعند قيام قائم الظهيرة هذه قصار والطويلات بعد صلاة العصر حتى لو كان صلى الانسان جمعا من حين ما ينتهي من صلاة العصر يدخل في وقت النهي أو إذا صلى الفجر في أول وقتها دخل في وقت النهي حتى تطلع الشمس قال وبعد ذلك حتى تغرب قال ويجوز قضاء الفرائض يعني شخص نسي صلاة من الصلوات فتذكر في وقت النهي أنه لم يصلي مثلا ما نسي أن يصلي الظهر نسي أنه ناس أنه لم يصلي فصلى العصر بعد صلاة العصر تذكر أنه لم يصلي الظهر يبادر ويصلي الظهر ولا يقضي العصر لماذا؟ يقول النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم من نام عن صلاة أو نسيها فليصليها إذا ذكرها لا وقت لها إلا ذلك هذا هو وقتها قال ويجوز قضاء الفرائض فيها يعني أي فريضة فمثلا نفرض أنك نسيت أن تؤدي صلاة الظهر يوم أمس وشعرت ونسيت واليوم بعد العصر تذكرت انك ما صليتها تصليها حالما تذكرها ولا تقضي الصلوات التي جاءت بعدها قال حتى وفعل المنذورات وركعتي الطواف يعني يجوز قضاء الفرائض التي فاتت ويجوز قضاء فعل المنذورات اذا نذر ان يعمل عملا وركعتي الطواف كل هذه ومن ذلك إعادة الجماعة يعني إنسان صلى العصر في مسجد الحي الذي يصلي في حول بلده ثم أتى إلى المسجد هنا مثلا ووجد الناس تقام الصلاة العصر لا يجلس وأنا صليت إذا دخل وهو على طهارة بل عليه أن يدخل معه هذه الصلاة تكون نافلة له فإن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم في مكة صلى الفجر ونظر وإذا رجلين رأى رجلين لم يصلي معه فاستدعاه صلى الله عليه وسلم فقال لهم لم لا نصلي؟ قالوا صلينا في رحالنا قال لا تفعل إذا فعلتم ذلك فأقيمت الصلاة فادخلوا معهم تكن لكم نافلة قال وتفعل صلاة الجنازة في الوقتين الطويلين يعني يجوز صلى على جنازة بعد صلاة العصر يجوز أن يصلى على جنازة بعد صلاة الفجر جاء بالجنازة والناس صلوا الفجر خرجوا يصلي على الجنازة الحاضر جاء بالجنازة وقد صلى الناس العصر فيصلي على جنازة الحاضر ويتمكن فأسأل الله جل وعلا أن يجعلنا وإياكم من الموفقين لصالح العمل وأن يجيرنا من الفتن ما ظهر منها من قطن وأن يعاجل من أصف في بلادهم الفتن أن يعاجلهم بالفرج أن يعاجل أهل الشام بهدايتهم للصراط السوي والانتصار على عدوهم 
ويحقق الانتصار للحق في اي بلد بلاد الاسلام على الباطل واهله انه جل وعلا مجيب الدعاء الشيخ حفيظ الله تعالى بيان in the name of Allah we praise him we seek forgiveness from Allah from the heel of the evil of our deeds there is no deity worthy of worship except Allah he is alone he has no partners for him is the dominion and for him is the praise and he is able to do all things and may the peace and blessings of Allah be upon his messenger and his friend Muhammad the one he sent as a mercy to mankind he gave the message he fulfilled the trust and he was sincere for the ummah and he fought in the way of Allah the true fighting May Allah be pleased with and may Allah be pleased with his companions all of his companions those who believed in him and migrated with him and migrated to him and those who spread this religion and by the tawfiq of Allah it spreads to uh, that which they were able to from the east and from the west May Allah make us from those who are sincere in our love of them and our adherence to their way. And may Allah allow us to hate those who hate them. Shaykh Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab he mentioned in the treaties pertaining to Salat al-Istikhara. And the Shaykh said, Habib Allah Ta'ala, that if a person would like to perform an action they're unclear whether this action is beneficial for them or harmful for them. They're not sure what they should do in this action. They are unaware. Then it is upon for the individual to make wudu. If he does not have purification, he should perform ablution and he should pray two units of prayer. And he should be accurate in his performance of these two units, in the standing and rising from the standing or going into bowing and rising from this position he should be accurate in the positions of the prayer and then once he finishes the prayer uh, then the shaykh said before that he said and the individual this should not be from the obligatory prayers it should not be from the obligatory prayers for example if a person is traveling and he prays two units of prayer, like for Dhuhr or Asr, something like that. After that, the person cannot pray Salat al-Istikhara. The Salat al-Istikhara should not be from the obligatory prayers. So the individual should uh, intend, when he's performing these two units, two units of prayer, uh, these two units of prayer, that he is doing something that will allow him to gain nearness to Allah by making a decision. Allow him to make a decision and gain nearness to Allah. And the supplication that the, that the individual says is, Oh Allah, I'm seeking your assistance uh, by way of your knowledge and your might by way of your might or your ability. And I ask you from your tremendous merits. For verily you have the ability and I do not have the ability. And you have knowledge and I do have do not have knowledge and you are aware of the unseen. The Shaykh said, Habib Allah Ta'ala, that the individual is admit, ad, admitting uh, and declaring that he does not have knowledge of this affair. 
he does not know if it's beneficial for him nor is it harmful for him. So he's admitting and declaring to Allah that his, he has no knowledge about this affair. And likewise, he's informing that he has no ability. And verily, Allah Azawajal has the ability to do all things. So he's informing and declaring and admitting that he has no knowledge, nor does he have any ability. Then the Shaykh said, Habib Allah Ta'ala, that these uh, statements of the caller is his him declaring that he has no knowledge of this affair, whether it's beneficial or whether it's uh, harmful for him. So the individual puts the affair in the hands, he puts the affair with Allah. The individual puts his trust in Allah by saying this supplication. And after the individual has praised Allah, because in the beginning of that supplication, the individual is praising Allah because of his knowledge, praising Allah because of his might and his ability. So after the individual, uh, no, so after the individual has made, uh, praised Allah, after that then the individual begins to seek something from Allah. The individuals, and why does the individual begin with this praise? Because the individual has no might, nor does the individual have knowledge. That is all with Allah Azza wa Jalla. Then the individual says, if you know that this affair, uh, and he says the affair, he says specifically the affair, if you know that this affair, and he says the affair is good for me in my religion, and my worldly affairs, and the hereafter, uh, so decree it for me, and make it easy upon me, and bless me in it. The Shaykh said, Habib Allah Ta'ala, for example, if the individual would like to travel to seek knowledge, or if the individual wants to marry, or if the individual wants to enter into a business transaction, or the individual wants to fight, if he wants to go out and fight in the way of Allah. So the point is, is that the individual says the specific matter that he's confused about. And then he asks Allah Azza wa Jal, because he's confused, he's uh, he's unaware. He does not know the extent of it, whether it's beneficial or it's harmful. So the individual asks Allah Azza wa Jal if the beneficial, if the matter is good for him, then to uh, decree it for him and to make it easy upon him and uh, to bless him in it. And the Shaykh said, Habib Allah Ta'ala, notice how the individual is asking about this life and the next life. So the individual wants to make sure it's beneficial for him in this life and beneficial for him in the next life. And then the Shaykh said, Habib Allah Ta'ala, that's if it's something good. But if it's something which is harmful, uh, if it's something which is harmful, then he went back and he said, and he asked Allah uh, to make you pleased with it, if it's something good. Um, but if it's something harmful for the individual, then the individual says the opposite then deter me from it and deter it from me and decree for me that which is good and then make me pleased with it. So the Shaykh said, Habib Allah Ta'ala, uh, after the individual has made this supplication, then the individual, it's, it's not over, the individual now should look from his companions. He should look at his companions and he should choose someone from his companion 
who is a person with sound intellect, someone who has a sound opinion, someone who is sincere, someone who has experience, and he seeks advice from this individual. He seeks advice from this individual. Then the Shaykh mentioned Habib al or Shaykh Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahhab mentioned that when the individual makes the istikhara, he should not be he, he should not have come to a decision yet. At the time that someone makes the istikhara, they should have not come to a decision. No, this is if the, the, the purpose of the istikhara is if someone is in a state of confusion, he's unaware, he's confused what he should do, he's not sure if it's beneficial or if it's harmful, that's when the individual prays the istikhara. And like, uh, like the Shaykh said, Habib Allah he reiterated that after the person does that, they should seek advice from one of their companions, someone who is um, sincere, someone who has taqwa, someone who is God-fearing, someone who is trustworthy, um, the person who can guide him to the best of decisions, someone who can give him advice uh, to perform the best of decisions. And then the Shaykh said, Habib Allah for example, an individual wants to get married to a, a female, and the individual is confused about her. He's confused. So this individual makes dua and they ask Allah stating the, the, the marriage. They ask Allah stating the marriage, whether it's good for them, to grant it to them, to make it easy upon them, and if it's bad for them, to deter them from it. Then the Shaykh Habib Allah went on to the issue of, uh, or the author Rahim Allah went on to the issue of Tahit al-Masjid, which is the prayer for the greeting of the Masjid. And he mentioned the wudu, the, 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 the two units after making wudu and uh, praying between Maghrib and Isha. And the Shaykh said, Habib Allah Ta'ala, the Tahiyyat al-Masjid, the prayer for the greeting of the Masjid, uh, it is come in a hadith where the Prophet said, if one of you enters into the Masjid, then do not sit until you pray two units of prayer. And the Shaykh said, Habib Allah Ta'ala, this is if the individual is in a state of purification. If the individual is in a state of purification, the individual should pray two units before sitting down. And the Shaykh said, Habib Allah Ta'ala, and he's going to talk about that more later on. He said, if, it, if the individual enters into the masjid at the time uh, uh, that the sun is rising, or at the time that the sun is about to set, the time that the sun is rising, meaning right after Salat al-Fajr, or at the time that the sun is about to set, right before Salat al-Maghrib. If the individual enters into the masjid at this time, he can wait a few minutes. The Shaykh said, Habib Allah he can wait a few minutes. He can walk to the left and walk to the right, meaning he can pace for a few minutes until the sun has risen, until the sun has risen, and then he can pray. And likewise, if he enters into the masjid, and it's at the time when the sun is about to set. It's at the time when the sun is about to set. It's only a few uh, seconds, and then the adhan for Salat al-Maghrib is going to be called. It's recommended that the individual waits. He does not pray at that time, but he waits a few seconds until the sun is set, and then he prays the Tahiyyat al-Masjid. Then the author Allah, mentioned about the Sunnah of Wudu, the two units of prayer for the purpose of Wudu. The Shaykh said, Habib Allah Ta'ala, if a person makes the ablution for the prayer, and this is the ablution that an individual makes when he wants to recite the Qur'an, or he wants to pray, 
Then it is legislated that the individual prays two units of prayer after performing this wudu. The proof for that is the hadith of Bilal, the companion of the Prophet where the Prophet said, I saw, uh, I entered Jinnah. The Shaykh said, Habib Allah Ta'ala, he said, this was in a dream. The Prophet saw this. He said, I entered Jinnah and I saw the footsteps of Bilal in front of me. So when the Prophet woke up, he said to Bilal, what action are you doing and what act of worship are you doing, which is something which is, is tremendous, it's something that has many merits. And Bilal said, I do not perform wudu, whether in the day or whether at night, except that I pray two minutes of prayer. Except that I uh, pray two units of prayer. So the Shaykh said, Habib Allah Ta'ala, this means that any time during the day or night, even at the times where it's not permissible in general, it's not permissible to pray, the Prophet Bilal informed that he prays that time. He, he informed that he prays at that time. Um, then uh, the Shaykh mentioned Habib Allah Ta'ala and he said, with regards to uh, the small amount of time, like he said, and he's going to clarify that more. The small amount of time, uh, after you pray Salat al-Fajr and the sun is rising for a few minutes, and right before Salat al-Maghrib, during that time, in general, you don't pray. But other than that, other than that, any time during the day, any time during the night, it's permissible to pray. Uh, then the author, Rahim Allah Ta'ala, mentioned to pray, or to bring the exact translation, to bring life between the two Isha's. And the two Isha's is Salat al-Maghrib and Salat al-Isha. And in the two prayers at night, Salat al-Maghrib and Salat al-Isha. To bring life between that. What is meant by that? The Shaykh mentioned Habib Allah Ta'ala. For example, if a person prays Salat al-Maghrib, and he does not desire to leave the masjid. He does not desire to leave the masjid. It is legislated that he continues to pray, he continues to pray two units, two units, until Salat al-Isha. Until Salat al-Isha. It took place during the time of the Prophet ﷺ that some individuals prayed Salat al-Maghrib in the masjid. And then they stayed behind. They stayed behind. And until Salat al-Isha. And when the Prophet ﷺ entered into the masjid, for the, to, in order to perform Salat al-Isha, he noticed that they were present. He noticed that they were present. And he said to them, what, 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 what have you remained behind for? What is the reason for you remaining behind? Do you need something? Is there a need? And they said, no, we just wanted to remain in the masjid. And the Prophet ﷺ said to them, an individual is in Salat as long as he's waiting for the Salat. So this is another merit of staying in the masjid between Salat al-Maghrib and Salat al-Isha. The hadith of the Prophet ﷺ, an individual is in Salat as long as he's waiting for Salat. So it's showing you the great reward of uh, performing deeds, prayer, or remaining in the masjid uh, between Salat al-Maghrib and Salat al-Isha. Then the Shaykh mentioned Habib Allah Ta'ala. So, um, and likewise, if an individual uh, prays between Salat al-Maghrib and Salat al-Isha, they fall under the verse where Allah Azawajal praised the individuals uh, Allah said, Verily their sides are prevented from laying down. 
Allah praised the people who pray at night by saying their sides are prevented from laying down because these individuals, they stand in worship of their Lord. So the Shaykh said, Habib Allah Ta'ala, even if you, because Allah Ta'ala is praising the people that pray at night. So even when you pray uh, many prayers, as much as you want, between Salat al-Maghrib and Salat al-Isha, you fall under this praise. You fall under this praise which is mentioned in the Quran. Then the author, Rahimahullah Ta'ala, mentions uh, Sajda tilawah uh, the making such that the prostration for the recitation of the Quran. And the Shaykh said, Habib Allah Ta'ala, an explanation of that part of the book, he said, for example, if you're reciting the Quran and you come across a verse that it's legislated for you to, to prostrate, you should do so. The one who is reciting and the one who is attentively listening to the recitation. The one who is attentively listening to the recitation. It is legislated for you to prostrate. And the Shaykh said, Habib Allah Ta'ala, the origin, the origin is that the individual is in a state of purity. The individual is in a state of purity, ablution. But if they're not, if they do not have wudu, it is still permissible for them to prostrate. Because ablution is not a condition for the prostration for recitation of the Quran. Ablution is not a condition. So if a person, uh, if a person, مثلاً, is reciting the Qur'an and they, they, they recite a verse about the prostration, they should prostrate uh, even if they're not in ablution. And the Shaykh said, Habib Allah Ta'ala, it's similar to the prostration for thankfulness. And he's going to mention that later on. Uh, the prostration for thankfulness, uh, for gratitude, the prostration for gratitude, it's not a condition that a person is in uh, ablution. Then the Shaykh mentioned Habib Allah Ta'ala, the prostration for recitation itself is not obligatory. The prostration for recitation itself is not obligatory. It, uh, an obligation is that if you, it's, if you abandon it, there's a sin. An obligation, the definition of an obligation is an action that if it's abandoned, it's a sin. So the Shaykh said Habib Allah Ta'ala, so the prostration for recitation it is not obligatory. So if a person uh, does not prostrate, there's no sin upon him. But they have lost the reward. They have lost the reward because the person that does so, they get a reward for doing so. Um, and then he mentioned, the author Rahim Ta'ala mentioned the, the proof for that is the statement of Umar ibn Khattab where Umar said, whoever prostrates, yani, uh, while reciting the Quran or while hearing the Quran, whoever prostrates, he has done he has done correct, and whoever has not prostrated, there's no sin upon him. So that's the proof, and that's reported in the Muatta of Imam Malik, the, the book of Hadith of Imam Malik, rahimahullah Taala. And the Sheikh said, uh, with regards to the one who listens, this is not one who hears. There's a difference between someone who's attentively listening to the Quran and someone who hears the Qur'an. The person who hears the Qur'an, it is not upon him to prostrate. But the person who is attentively listening, listening to the Qur'an, it is upon him to prostrate when he hears the recitation. And likewise, the one who is riding, uh, the one who is on a horse, or on a camel, or a donkey, or the likes, if that person uh, hears the recitation of the Qur'an that has a prostration, he does not have to uh, dismount his, his, his riding beast. But what he does is that he lowers his head slightly. 
he lowers his head slightly, and this is considered that the individual has, has prostrated. And likewise, it is not a condition for the person who is prostrating for the recitation of the Qur'an, it is not a condition that he faces the Qibla. It's not a condition that he faces the Qibla. Regardless of the direction that he's facing, he can prostrate. And likewise, one who is walking, if an individual is walking and he's listening to the Qur'an, if he has the ability to prostrate on the ground, he should do so. But if, the, if for some reason, the ground is not suitable, if, it's, if for some reason, the ground is not suitable for prostration, then there's no sin upon him if he does not prostrate. And it took place during uh, one of the companions, Ibn Mas'ud he said to a, a boy who was reciting the Qur'an, that you should prostrate. Ibn Mas'ud said to a boy who was reciting the Qur'an, you should prostrate because you're leaving us. Meaning, they were listening to a boy recite the Qur'an, they were listening to a boy recite the Qur'an, and when it came time to prostrate, he did it. So Ibn Mas'ud said, no, you should prostrate, it's like you're leading us. So you prostrate and we will also prostrate. Meaning, they were attentively listening to his recitation of the Qur'an. Then the author, Rahimahullah mentioned uh, that it's recommended to prostrate for gratitude. When a general blessing has occurred. And the Shaykh said, for example, uh, our beloved Shaykh, Habibullah he said, for example, if some news has reached you, if some news has reached you of something good for the Muslim Ummah, a general good, a, a, a general good news for the Muslim Ummah, you should prostrate for, for, for gratitude. Or if it's something specific, not for the Ummah, but it's something specifically for you, you should also prostrate as a, a, a means of gratitude, showing your gratitude to Allah Azza wa Jalla. And then the author Rahimahullah mentioned, and if you see someone who is afflicted with a calamity, whether in that individual's religion or even in his body, the Shaykh said, Habib Allah Ta'ala, and the, the author mentions the, the, the statement you should say, uh, All praise be to Allah, the one who has uh, protected me from that which he has afflicted you with. You don't say it so that the person can hear you, but you say it. Uh, may Allah, all praise be to Allah, the one who has uh, protected me from that which he has afflicted you with, and he's preferred me over most of the creation. The Shaykh said, Habib Allah Ta'ala, in the explanation of that part of the book, he said, for example, if you see someone, if you witness someone who has uh, a calamity in his religion, he has weakness or disobedience, he has weakness in his religion or uh, he's disobedient, then, for example, he said, the person has an evil tongue. Despicable statements come off of their tongue. They have no shyness from Allah, nor do they have any shyness from the creation. They're very... Uh, despicable, or these despicable statements come off of their tongue. For example, they're the type of individual that always curses, and they always slander, and they always disrespect others. The Shaykh said, Habib Allah Ta'ala, you can say, Oh, praise be to Allah, that I am not like you. Or, you can say this dua, which is mentioned by the author, Oh, praise be to Allah, the one who has protected me, and safeguarded me from that which he has afflicted you with, and he's preferred me over most of the creation. Then the author Rahimahullah goes on to mention the times which are it's which the times which uh, it is prohibited to pray. And the author says Rahimahullah after Salat al-Fajr until the sun has risen. And the Shaykh said Habibullah the time which is prohibited to pray 
is after you have prayed Salat al-Fajr. After you have prayed Salat al-Fajr, um, it is not permissible for you to pray extra prayers. It is not permissible for you to pray extra prayers. Except, he said, Habib Allah Ta'ala, he said, except for example, if you're making tawaf around the Kaaba. If a person makes tawaf around the Kaaba, as soon as he finishes tawaf, it's legislated that he prays two units of prayer at any time. At any time, during the day or at night, even if it's a time which is prohibited to pray. Why? Because you have the hadith where the Prophet ﷺ ordered the people of Mecca never to prevent someone from praying any time during the day or any time at night. So the fact that the Prophet ﷺ has ordered the people of Mecca not to prevent anyone from praying any time during the day or any time during the night, that means if a person has completed the tawaf, he can pray at any time. And then uh, the person after the after Salat al-Fajr, while the sun is rising, the individual stops praying. The individual stops praying. And when is it permissible for them to pray again? Until the sun has risen slightly from the horizon. The Shaykh said, Habib Allah Ta'ala, for example, the height of an individual, the height of a man who is not very tall, nor very short. Someone who is uh, medium sized Until the sun has risen, slightly from the horizon, like the height of a medium-sized uh, in uh, man, the, medium, the, the height of a medium man, someone who is not so tall, or who is not so short. And then the Shaykh said, Habib Allah Ta'ala, uh, then it's permissible to pray until right before the sun has reached the zenith. Until right before the sun has reached the zenith. Then the Shaykh said, Habib Allah Ta'ala, uh, once the sun, right before the sun has reached, or when the sun is close to the zenith, you have to stop praying. It's not permissible to pray. And the Prophet ﷺ mentioned uh, that, and I, I missed the, the hadith where the Shaykh mentioned Habib Allah Ta'ala, that this is related to, or this is at the time that the people, uh, no, I missed that part. Shaykh, until the curtain, I got fixed. Now the Shaykh mentioned Habib Allah Ta'ala at this time, uh, right before the sun reaches the zenith, this is the time that the, the, the fire becomes enhanced. This is the time that the fire becomes enhanced in, in the hellfire. So this is one of the times that it is impermissible to pray. Uh, then the sun reaches the zenith, it's still not permissible to pray, and then once the sun slightly glances or slightly leans from the zenith, then it becomes permissible uh, to pray once again, and that's when that's at the time of Salat al-Dhuhr. That's at the time of Salat al-Dhuhr. Then the Shaykh mentioned Abi and another time which is not permissible to pray is after Salat al-Asr. Another time which is not permissible to pray is after Salat al-Asr until uh, until the sun sets. Until the sun sets. And this is one of the longer times. So after you pray Salat al-Asr, until the sun sets, this is one of the longer times. Then the Shaykh mentioned, or the author, Rahim Allah Ta'ala mentioned, about completing or making up the obligatory prayers. About making up the obligatory prayers. And this is when the author, Rahim Allah Ta'ala says, It's permissible for you to make up the obligatory prayers at these times. At, during the times which it is prohibited to pray. 
during the time which is prohibited to pray. For example, uh, after Salat al-Fajr, or uh, before Salat al-Dhuhr, right before Salat al-Dhuhr, or after Salat al-Asr, these are times that it's pro- prohibited to pray. But one of the exceptions is if a person has to make up the obligatory prayer. The Shaykh said, for example, if a person has prayed uh, Salat al-Asr, for example, a person prays Salat al-Asr one day, and after Salat al-Asr, it's pro- prohibited to pray. But then the person remembered they never pray Salat al-Dhuhr. They can pray Salat al-Dhuhr as soon as they remember it. And the Shaykh added something. So once again, let's go back. The, the person prayed Salat al-Asr. Now it's one of the times which it's prohibited to pray. But they remember they didn't pray Salat al-Dhuhr. So the person prays Salat al-Dhuhr. After the person prays Salat al-Dhuhr, they don't make up Salat al-Asr. So the prayer that you pray, even before you've prayed the, the, the prayer in order, you do not make up that prayer. So the, even though it's the prohibited time, the person prays Salat al-Dhuhr because they remember that they missed it. And likewise, they don't have to make up Salat al-Asr. And the Shaykh said, the proof for this is that the Prophet ﷺ said, whoever's uh, forgot a prayer, the Prophet ﷺ said in the hadith, whoever forgot a prayer or slept during the time of the prayer, the only expiation for it is that you make up the prayer. The only expiation for it is that you make up the prayer. So this is at any time. So this is at any time. The Shaykh said, so he said the same thing. If a person uh, forgot to pray Salat al-Dhuhr and they became busy or the likes and that they only remembered after they prayed Salat al-Asr, they would pray Salat al-Dhuhr and they would not make up Salat al-Asr. And the author, Rahimahullah, mentioned al-Mandurat. Al-Mandurat are the oaths. A person made an oath to pray. You know, an individual, uh, for example, said, I, I make an oath to Allah that I would pray such and such. The manthurat you pray at any time, during the day or, or the night. And likewise, the Shaykh said, uh, uh, the tawaf. If a person makes tawaf, the author mentioned, if a person is making tawaf around the Kaaba and then he finishes tawaf, it's legislated that he prays. This can be done at any time during the day or the night. Or if a person has to make up the congregation. And the Shaykh said, Habib Allah Ta'ala, making up the congregation, meaning if you prayed in a masjid, for example, if you prayed Salat al-Asr in a masjid, and then you left that masjid and went to another masjid, and when you entered that other masjid, the people were still praying, you would join them. You would join them and pray nawafah. So they're praying the obligatory asr, but you're praying nawafah. And he said the proof for that is that uh, it took place during the time of the Prophet ﷺ that he was in Mecca one time and he prayed Salat al-Fajr. The Prophet ﷺ was in Mecca one time and he prayed Salat al-Fajr. When he finished the, con- the prayer in congregation, the Prophet ﷺ looked at the back of the masjid, to the back of the masjid and there were individuals sitting, they did not join the congregation. So the Prophet ﷺ said, why have you not joined the congregation? They said, we prayed at home. They said, we prayed at home or we prayed in our area. So the Prophet said, do not do so. If one of you prays in his area, and then he comes to the masjid, and the, the, the people are in congregation, he should join them. So that shows that even if it's the time of prohibition, that you should join the congregation. Then the author, Rahimahullah Ta'ala, mentions about the prayer of the deceased, the janazah. And the Shaykh said, Habib Allah Ta'ala, also the janazah, it is permissible to pray at any time. It is permissible to pray uh, over the janazah at any time. For example, if 
the congregation has prayed Salatul Asr. And now it's one of the times which is prohibited to pray. And after Salatul Asr, the people bring a janazah. Someone has died. They bring a janazah. It's permissible to pray. Likewise, or similarly, after Salatul Fajr, the congregation has prayed Salatul Fajr. And then they bring a janazah. It's permissible to pray over the janazah even after Salatul Fajr. And uh, then the Shaykh said, Habib Allah, we ask Allah Azza to make us, uh, uh, to give us success in performing righteous deeds. And we ask Allah Azza to protect us from the fitna, from the trials and the tribulations and calamities, that which is apparent and that which is hidden. And we ask Allah Azza to give ease to those who have been afflicted and oppressed in different parts of the world. And we ask Allah Azza to give success to the people of, 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 of Syria to guide them and to give them success and victory over their oppressors. And we ask Allah to give the Muslims in all parts of the world victory over their oppressors. And may the peace and blessings of Allah be upon the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa And there's an issue with regards to the, the Shaykh Habib Allah Ta'ala mentioned about the shade. Um, for Salatul Dhuhr, once you start to, sh- to see the shade increase for the objects. And he mentioned Habib Allah Ta'ala, I passed it but I remember it just now. He said when you see that there's a pillar or there's an object and after the sun has hit the zenith and the sun uh, you know, uh, begins to decline from the zenith, then you'll start to see a shade for objects or for pillars. That's when uh, Salatul Dhuhr is present, meaning it's permissible to pray again. I, I missed it while I was reading it but I remembered it just now. يقول السائل حفيظكم الله تعالى أحسن الله إليكم ذكرتم في الدرس الماضي عن صلاة الضحى فما صفتها وماذا تقرأ فيها صلاة الضحى أقلها ركعتان ومن أراد أكثر من ذلك صلى ركعتين 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 أكثر ما ثبت أن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم صلى ضحى عام الفتح فتح مكة صلى ثمانية ركعات يسلم من كل ركعتين كما في حديث بنت عمه أمها أنا أخت علي بن أبي طالب يقرأ في الركعتين الفاتحة لا بد منها في كل ركعة ثم يقرأ ما تيسر إن أراد أن يطيل القراءة لا حرج وإن أراد أن يحفظ يقرأ من قصار السور في كل ركعة فلا حرج وأفضلها أن تكون في وقت انتصاف الضحى عندما تشتد حرارة الأرض من الشمس الحديث الذي رواه مسلم صلاة الأوابين حين ترمض الفصال الفصال جمع فصيل وولد الناقة الحديث بالولادة يكون خفه طري لين الشيء الحار يؤذيه 
As-salamu the individual is asking, uh, you have mentioned in a previous lesson about Salat al-Duha, uh, what is the manner of performing it and what should one recite in it? The Shaykh said, Habib Allah Salat al-Duha, the least amount of uh, units is two, or are two, and if a person wanted to pray more, they would pray two by two by two. And uh, the most that it is recorded the Prophet ﷺ did was eight. And this was during the year that Mecca was conquered by the Prophet ﷺ. And this hadith is mentioned by uh, Umhani, the sister of Ali ibn Abi Talib. She mentioned that the Prophet ﷺ prayed eight units of Salat al-Duha. As for what is recited in it, then it is al-Fatiha. Uh, because Fatiha is mandatory and uh, then after Al-Fatiha the person recites what is easy for him if a person wanted to elongate the prayer then they can do so or if they wanted to make it shorter they can do so um, and the best time to perform Salat al-Duha it's when it, when it is very hot outside because of the hadith which is reported in Salat al-Muslim in Sahih Muslim the hadith which is reported in Sahih Muslim where the Prophet Sallallahu mentioned uh, the Salat al-Awwabin, the, the, the prayer of the people that constantly return to Allah, is when the, the, the young camel uh, uh, stays, uh, stays away from the ground because their, their paws, uh, their, when it touches the ground, it harms them. So that means when it's very hot, that is the best time to perform uh, Salat al-Duha. يقول السائل حفظكم الله تعالى متى يدعو المصلي بدعاء الاستقارة إذا أراد أن يصلي صلاة الاستقارة هل يدعو هل يدعو بها أثناء الصلاة في التشهد أو في حالة السجود أم يدعو بها رافع اليدين بعد التسليم من الصلاة؟ دعاء الاستقارة يصلي الركعتين في أي ركعتين من النوافل قراءة الفاتحة وما يتيسر له سورة ويحسن الوقوف والركوع والرفع من يحرص على إتقان ذلك ويقول في كل موقع ما يناسبه من الأذكار في الركوع يثني على مجد الله سبحان ربي العظيم ويكررها ويأتي سبحانك اللهم وبحمدك اللهم اغفر لك ما كان في إفعال النبي وفر السجود يكثر من سبحان ربي الأعلى ثم يدعو فإذا صل رحعتين لا حرج يرفع يديه لا يرفع رأسه للسماء وإن يرفع يديه ينظر إلى يديه ويدعو بذلك الدعاء ويدعو وهو يتأنى بالدعاء لا يكون مسرعا ونسأل الله لكل من احتاج إلى ذلك أن الله يوفقه لما يصل أحسن الله عليك individuals asking uh, when an individual prays salat when an individual makes salat al-istikhara when do they make the supplication and do they make it during the prayer or after the prayer? And do they raise their hands? And the Shaykh mentioned Abi Allah Ta'ala, the Salat of Istikhara, the person will pray the two units of the prayer. Like the normal two units of prayer. 
and they would recite Surah Al-Fatiha, then they would recite the Surah, uh, that which is easy for them. And the person should focus on the prayer, and the standing, and the, the bowing, and the prost- raising up from the bowing, the prostration. The person should focus uh, and do it in a, in, a, in, a, in a good manner. And likewise, in every moment of the prayer, when it's legislated to make a supplication, to glorify Allah, to praise Allah, the person should do so. Then, uh, once the person has completed this, the person would uh, raise their hands, and there's no problem in doing so, raising the hands. Shaykh said, Habibullah ta'ala, but you do not raise your eyes. You should not raise your eyes to the sky, but you know, you uh, just raise your hands and you supplicate. Likewise, the person should uh, take his time when he's supplicating. He should not uh, race in the supplication. And I ask Allah Azza wa Jal to give everyone who needs to make this dua success in doing so. يقول السائل حفظكم الله تعالى ما ما هو حسن الظن بالله وكيف نحسن الظن بالله ونجتنب ما يخالف ذلك. ورد في الحديث ان النبي قال لا يمتن احدكم الا وهو يحسن الظن بالله. كيف يحسن الظن؟ يحسن الظن لان الله جل وعلا اكرم الاكرمين ارحم الراحمين القادر على كل شيء يفرح بعبده اذا تاب مع ان توبه العبد لا تنفع الله بشيء وعدم توبة لا تضر الله بشيء هو القوي المتين والإنسان ينبغي أن يكون حسن الظن إذا كان في الوضع الذي يظن أنه لا يعيش وأما إذا كان ترفع أنه يمتد أجله فيسأل ربه أنه يعينه على تحصيل العمل الصعب The individual is asking, uh, what does it mean to have good thoughts about Allah and how does one have good thoughts about Allah and abstain from that which is that which opposes it? Shaykh mentioned is mentioned in the hadith that the Prophet said that a person does not die, a person should not die in a state except that they have good thoughts of Allah. The Shaykh said, Habibullah, how does one have good thoughts of Allah? The individual has good thoughts of Allah because they know that Allah is the most is the gen- the most generous of the generous, and that Allah is the, mer- the most merciful of the merciful. And that Allah Azawajal is able to do all things, and that Allah Azawajal is happy with the repentance of His servants, even though He does not need their repentance. The repentance, Allah Azawajal does not benefit if the servants repent, and Allah Azawajal is not harmed if the servants do not repent. Verily, Allah Taala is the Almighty, and the individual should have good thoughts about Allah when the individual feels that he will no longer live. Feels that he no longer lives, he should have good thoughts about Allah Azza wa Jal. And if the individual would live longer, or if, if, if it's felt the individual would live longer, then the individual should ask Allah Azza wa Jal to give them success to have righteous deeds.
يقول السائل حبيبكم الله تعالى هل يجوز رسم رسم صور او رسم الصور على شكل الانسان في كتب مؤلفه للاطفال اذا تخلو هذه الصور من وجوه؟ لا داعي الى ذلك يرسم الشجر والجبال والانهار والحدائق لا داعي له وإذا أراد أن ينشر لا ينشر الأصابع اليد واليد يقطع الرأس فقط يرسم الشيء الذي لا يحتاج إلى رأس Um, to draw pictures of humans in books which are authored for children if these uh, pictures of humans do not have faces. The Sheikh mentioned there's no need to do this. Instead, uh, the individual should draw trees, they should draw mountains, they should draw rivers, they should draw gardens. There's no need for them to draw humans. And you find For example, they draw the humans and they draw the hands and the, the fingers. Sheikh said, there's no need for that. And you find that people draw humans with the hands, the face, the, the fingers, and the only thing, they, they, they cut the head. And the Sheikh said, Habib Allah, you should draw something that is in no need of a head. يقول السائل حبيبكم الله تعالى هل يجوز لغير المسلمين لمس ترجمة معاني القرآن يعني قراءة غير المسلمين لمعاني القرآن باللغة الأجنبية المعاني لا بأس المعاني المكتوبة إذا لمسها وقرأها غير مسلم لعل الله أن يهديها Individuals asking, individuals asking about permissibility of non-Muslims reading the translated version of the Quran. The Sheikh said, "There's no problem in doing this. No problem in uh, the non-Muslims reading the translated versions of the Quran, and we hope that Allah, or it's possible that Allah will guide this individual." The Holy Sahih Habib Allah Taala, ma hi al asbab al muayna ala al qiyam bi salat al layl. أسباب المعينة على القيام بالصلاة الليل. الأسباب المعينة على صلاة الليل أن يحرص إذا أمكنه ذلك أن ينام في وقت القيلولة عند انتصاف النهار إذا أمكنه أن ينام دقائق والشيء الثاني يقلل من الجلسات التي يكثر فيها القيل والقال والاستنسال 
الحكايات ثم أيضا ينبغي له أن تكون عنده نية صادقة على أن يتقرر أن كان أفضل الصلاة صلاة الليل يعني التطوع والله يقول إن إن ناشئة الليل هي شد وأطعم يعني أن يستيقظ الواحد من نومه ليتهجد وأفضل المتهجدين داود عليه السلام كان ينام أول الليل ينام نصف الليل ثم يقوم فيصلي الثلث ثم يبقى السدس إلى وقت الإصباح فينام أيضا ولذلك أخبر النبي أن أفضل الصلاة صلاة داود التطوعية كما أن أفضل الصيام صيام داود عليه السلام كان يصوم يوما ويفطر يوما فالله المستعان Factors that assist an individual in standing for prayer at night. The Sheikh said, Habib Allah Ta'ala, from the factors that assist an individual, is that an individual should be diligent uh, in taking a nap, a short nap during the day. Um, in between, you know, Dhuhr and Asr, the individual tries to take a short nap even if it's only for a few minutes. Likewise, the individual should uh, avoid sitting in gatherings. Of, of gossip and chatting and you know things that people talking about stories individuals should abandon those types should abandon those types of gatherings likewise an individual should have a sincere uh, intention a sincere, sincere intention uh, to perform the night prayer the prophet mentioned the best prayer meaning the best gravitatory prayer is the night prayer and Allah Azawajal praised the people uh, who pray at night. And the Shaykh said, Habibullah Ta'ala, and the best night prayer was performed by Da'ud alayhi salatu salam. He would, uh, he would sleep the first part of the night, and then he would wake up and pray, uh, and then he would sleep the latter part of the night. And likewise, so the Prophet informed that the best night prayer was performed by Da'ud, and likewise the best fasting was performed by Da'ud alayhi salatu salam. He would fast one day and break his fast one day. يقول السائل حفيظكم الله تعالى كيف يصل الشخص رحمه حتى يحصل على الأجر كيف سيرة الرحم ينظر الأقربين أول القرابة من دول الأرحام الإخوان والأخوات والأعمام والعماق والخالات والأخبار فيصلهم بقدر ما يستطيع إن سهرت عليه الزيارة لهم ولم تضايقهم زارهم وإن اتصل بهم هاتفيا سلموا عليهم ويدعو لهم 
ويسالهم عن صحتهم كل هذه من الامور الخيره على حسب الاستطاعه Assalamu alaikum. The individual is asking, how does an individual keep firmly tied so that he can gain this reward? Shaykh mentioned, Abhi Allah Ta'ala, the individual should look at his close relatives, those who are closest to him, from his brothers and from his sisters and from his uncles and from his aunts, and uh, he should uh, keep relations with them to the best of his ability. Um, if he has the ability to visit them without uh, causing difficulty for them, then he should visit them. Uh, if he has the ability to call them, he should call them, uh, give them the greetings, supplicate for them, and he should ask about their, their health. So he should do all of these affairs to the best of his ability. There's some questions, the handwriting is very bad. It's about four, and I, I can't understand the handwriting. يسأل هذا السؤال عن كم كم كان عمر الشيخ محمد بن عبد الوهاب رحمه الله تعالى حين ألف أول كتبه؟ كم عمره؟ كم كم كان عمره؟ شيخ شيخ الإسلام محمد بن عبد الوهاب ولد سنة ألف ومائة وخمس عشرة سنة عاش إلى سنة 1206 يعني تجاوز التسعين في حياته ولا شك أن من أوائل كتبه ثلاثة الأصول وكتاب التوحيد والرسائل التي بشرط الصلاة رحمة الله عليه فقد ترك علما نافعا يحتاج إليه عامة النقص من أهل الخير. السلام عليكم. The individual is asking on the age of Sheikh Muhammad bin Abdul Wahab رحمه الله تعالى, especially when he authored his first book. The Sheikh said, "Habib Allah تعالى, Sheikh Muhammad bin Abdul Wahab رحمه الله تعالى, he was born 1115 and he lived until 1206. So he he lived past 90 years, Rahimahullah Ta'ala. There's no doubt from the first of his books is Usul al-Thalatha and Kitab al-Tawheed and Shirut al-Salat. So the Shaykh Habibullah Ta'ala, or the Shaykh Rahimahullah Ta'ala has left uh, beneficial knowledge that most of the people are in need of. يقول السائل حبيبكم الله تعالى ما حكم الدخول الشخص في جماعة ثانية وقد وقد صلى ذاك الشخص فهل دخوله واجب أم مستهب؟ لا إذا صلى مع جماعة ثم جاء إلى المسجد الذي يجلس فيه فوجد الصلاة تقام يجب عليه أن يدخل معهم لأن النبي أمر بذلك والأصل في أوامر النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم أنها الوجوب. السلام عليكم. The individual is asking 
what's the ruling on entering into a congregation when you have already prayed? Is it obligatory or recommended? The Shaykh said, Habibullah if you have already prayed in the congregation and now you enter into a masjid that you want to visit and there's another, another congregation, then you have to join them. Because the Prophet ﷺ has ordered that an individual joins them and the origin of the orders of the Prophet ﷺ is that it means it is obligatory. أذهب المشي إلى الصلاة مكتوبة في أوله ولادة الشيخ الإسلام سنة 1115 يقول السعد حديثكم الله تعالى هل يلزم هل يجب على المرأة لبس الحجاب أثناء سجود التلاوة أو سجود الشكر أمام الرجال حيث يرون وجهها فيجب عليها لأنها مأمورة بأن تستر كل ما يستدعي نظرات الرجال إليها Like the individual is asking, uh, is it obligatory upon a female to, to wear hijab um, if she wants to pray, if she wants to make prostration for recitation or for gratitude? The Shaykh said, Habibullah, if she's in the company of men, if she's in the company of men who can see her face, then it is obligatory for her to wear hijab because a female is ordered to cover everything which attracts the attention of the men. ونحمد الله جل وعلا على ما يسر لنا من هذا اللقاء وأسأل الله أن يجعلنا جميعا نسعى إلى ذلك ابتغاء مرضات الله ورجاء مغفرته وتواعه وأسأله جل وعلا بأسمائه وصفاته أن يعز الإسلام والمسلمين وأن يذل الكفر والكافرين والمنافقين وأن يعاجل المظلومين المضطهدين المعتدى عليهم أن يعاجلهم بالفرج وأن يوقدهم من ظلم ظالميه كما أسره سبحانه أن يعاجل البلاد الإسلامية التي عصفت فيها فتن بأن يسقط هذه الفتن ويزيل آثارها ويحل محلها التعاون على البر والتقوى كما أسره جل وعلا أن يحفظ هذه البلاد ويصونها ويصد عنها كل شر وأن يحقق ذلك لجميع بلاد المسلمين وأخص بالدعاء زيادة الشام بأن يزيل الله عنها دولة الأصيرية وأن يذل كل من يسعى لإعزاز تلك الدولة للرافضة في إيران والعراق ولبنان ومن الدول الكافرة تمد تلك الدولة 
النصيرية النجسة وأسأل الله أن يوفق ولي أمرنا في المملكة العربية السعودية لنصرة الحق وأهله وإذلال الباطل وأهله وتحقيق الأمن والأمان لكل من يقدم إلى هذه البلاد أو يعيش فيها من حجاج وزوار ومعتمرين وطالب رزق إنه جل وعلا الفعال لما يريد وآخر دعوانا الحمد لله رب العالمين صلى الله على نبينا محمد وآله وصحبه وسلم تسليما كثيرا. الشيخ حفيظ الله تارك concluded the lesson by praising Allah and for allowing us to come together and asking Allah to make our deeds sincerely for his face and seeking his reward. We ask Allah to give mics to Islam and bait disbelievers and disbelief. We ask Allah to give ease to those who are being oppressed. We ask Allah to remove the harm and the afflictions which have afflicted the Muslim Ummah or different Muslim lands and to replace it with enjoining the good and forbidding the evil and working together upon righteousness and piety. We ask Allah to protect this country and to protect the religion which is present here and all of the other Muslim countries. And he says, I add dua for the people who are being oppressed in Syria. I ask Allah to remove that oppression and I ask Allah to remove their oppressive rulers from the Dola and Nusayriya and to ask Allah to debase that which they're trying to perform from amongst the Rafida of Iraq and of Iran and Lebanon and other countries which are supporting them. We ask Allah to give the ruler here in Saudi Arabia the success to support the truth and its people and to debate the falsehood and allow him to provide safety and security for the people who come to this country, those who are residents and those who are performing the Hajj, those who are performing Umrah and those who are visiting and those who are seeking their sustenance. Verily Allah is the doer of that which he wills. And our last supplication is all praise be to Allah, the Lord of the world, and may the peace and blessings of Allah be upon Muhammad, his family members and companions.